Live from the offices of Great River Investments in the beautiful city of Burlington, Iowa, this is the Marvin Knows Finances Show. I am your host, Marvin Thompson, your certified financial planner, and joining me today is Joel Jolin of Jolin Media in West Burlington, Iowa, and Todd Sladke, CPA, and my partner at Great River Investments. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen in, and for all you listeners on Google Podcasts and Spotify, don't forget to click the subscribe button. If you prefer to see how we make the show come together, please check out our YouTube channel, Marvin Knows Finances, and click subscribe there as well. Just like the last and every time, I have to take care of a little business before we get moving too far forward to please my compliance department. Marvin Thompson is an investment advisor representative and a registered representative with Brokers Financial member SIPC. Opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily reflect those of Brokers Financial. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listeners. Great River Investments LLC does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstances. So guys, welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's always a pleasure, Joe. It really is. <laughs> you here again. <laughs> That's what you guys say about me. Um, so our last podcast, one of the last podcasts we did dealt with the psychology of money. And um, after we recorded that, uh, Todd came across a, an amazing article from Fidelity that really tied in uh, quite nicely to our last podcast. And this article that Fidelity put out was called The Six Biggest Pitfalls for Investors. So we're going to discuss some of the points from that article and give you kind of our opinion. Um, because like I said, they tied in so nicely with that last podcast we did. Um, human beings have instincts that often undermine our success as investors. Common pitfalls include aversion to loss, ambiguity, and the fact that our brain protects us from certain dangers. The trouble is the instincts and mental shortcuts we develop may not be helpful when navigating the twists and turns of the economy or riding out a rocky stock market. And wouldn't you know it? We have a rocky stock market. Very rocky stock market. Weird. It's almost like we predicted this a few months ago. So the six pitfalls, we're going to kind of go through each one of them uh, one by one, and we're going to break them down a little bit. So the first one is... Um, avoid losses at all costs. So a common human belief is the fear of loss is a stronger motivator than the pleasure of gain. Okay. So as a result, people tend to avoid the risk of losing money, even if it means not reaching their goals. So we've been in this business long enough where we see this, you know, we have somebody who's in their early thirties come in the office and they're like, I'm just so conservative. I, I need to be in conservative investments, et cetera, et cetera. The reality of it is, is they should be doing the opposite. You know, um, they should be taking the aggressive stance because they have time. So people are too conservative in some cases. May not be a bad situation right now to be conservative, but in the long run, it definitely hurts. So of point number one, you know, of avoiding losses at all costs. If you are too conservative, just keep in mind that you may not be returning enough in your investments to reach your goals. As we've discussed before, all of your planning purposes, like when Todd and I sit down with clients, you know, we want to make sure that their goals are tied into their long-term investment objectives. Uh, we met with a couple the other night, and they got some fantastic goals. I mean, become debt-free, you know, take vacations, travel the world, you know, retire at 60, things like that. Um, those are fantastic goals, but they understand that you have to take some risk in order to reach those. Okay, let your money work for you. In other words. And there are some, um, you're, you'll definitely be more healthier than I know what I'm talking about, Marvin, but like almost tests to determine your risk-taking um, ability. So they have little things, little questions like, are you okay with, um, you know, four years in a row of a 20% return, but in the fifth year, you're going to have a 50% loss? How are you going to react to that? You do the math on it, it's like, 
well, you know, you should be okay with that 50% loss or whatever it is. Um, that's just an example. But, um, but a lot of times it's like, no, I, I, I like those, I like those positive numbers, but those Mm -hmm. negative numbers, even though they aren't as big as those positive numbers, they scare me. Yes. And that's a hundred percent true. So we do provide clients with risk assessment tests. That's what I'm talking about. Yep. Risk assessment test. And it's meant to give us as the advisor and the client kind of a mutually agreed upon point of where the investment should be. Okay. Um, you bring up such a good point though. It's amazing. Like if, if we're saying, you know, we're taking this test out of a hundred points, uh, the person scores 80 and 80 would put them towards more of the aggressive side. But when the reality of things like what we're going through in the market right now happen, boom, they're suddenly like thinking like a, a person who scored a 30. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because you're right. They've averaged 21% over the last four years. But now that we're down 16% through the first five months of the year, they're like, <gasps> panic mode has set in yeah. and I'm going to lose it all. Every company in the world is going to go broke. This is the beginning of the end. So a gentleman on TV the other day said, um, everybody thinks this is the doomsday, but there's only one doomsday and it hasn't happened yet. And when it does happen, we don't need to worry about it anyway. Right. So your portfolio isn't going to help there. Exactly right. Exactly right. All right. Point number two. Um, I am the greatest. Confirmation bias is what this is called. I'm not saying I am the greatest. This is what the article. Okay. Um, so the point of confirmation bias is this. When we start thinking about things, we, we tend to seek out information that confirms our beliefs. And in the article, I think the person who wrote it um, said, if there's 20 articles posted about an individual stock or an investment that you're looking into, 10 of them are positive, 10 of them are negative, we generally only focus on the 10 that confirm our beliefs. In other words, we're not willing to go out and read the other 10 that might go against what we're thinking about. So the problem lies is when you don't research all the information, you miss some warning signs. Okay. Um, Fair and balanced is kind of a a funny thing we were just talking about before we started recording this a little bit. Um, It's hard sometimes to read opposing points of view to your, to your own thoughts. It really is. So it's comfortable to read and listen to things that support where you're already at. Exactly. So we were talking about the news and, and, um, it, 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 it's comfortable. Um, if you already have a belief set that somebody is telling you your belief set is right, basically. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's uncomfortable if somebody tell you you're wrong. Mm -hmm. It's always uncomfortable when somebody tells you you're wrong. So nobody wants to. So you don't tune into those news stations. Mm -hmm. They're, they're, they're speaking lies over there. (laughs) You want to tell your story? No, sure. Um, (laughs) I so, love this, guys. So listen to this one closely. It's great. So I, I know some folks that, um, you know, they're big, big watchers of a certain news channel, which is, let, let's say it's uh, right-leaning. And, um, and then it's not right-leaning enough anymore. So they've seeked out other news channels that are even more right-leaning. And then we talk about that and they'll tell me, well, I watch several news channels. So I'm getting, a, you know, a broad view of things, the world, the how it's going and I kind of react sometimes and say well you're not really getting you're getting what you want to hear and more but deep down on the other side you know it makes them happy (laughs) and that's good that's good that's good so all right um pitfall number three um getting stuck on the first thing you see um they refer to this as what's called anchoring bias and I kind of like this one a little bit because this was pretty impressive um so as human beings we tend to latch on to information we first receive whether it's relevant or not. 
And they go on to give a specific example of we anchor um, to specific numbers. So as an example, when we hear about a stock, we'll just call this XYZ stock. And XYZ stock, when I first heard about it, was trading at $50. But by the time we go to buy it, it's trading at $55. Now, because it's no longer $50, we don't purchase it. We missed the sale. We missed the sale. Okay. Now, keep in mind that this stock, this fictional stock that we're talking about, could go to $200. Okay. But because we didn't get it at $50, we're not going to buy it. Okay, we're kind of throwing a little temper tantrum almost. You know, I didn't get it when I wanted to. <laughs> right. All right, we're ignoring the reality. So do your homework, okay? Um, if that stock would hit $200, how stupid are you going to feel for not buying it just because it was $5 more than what you heard about it at? Mm -hmm. You know, well, Todd bought it at $50. Marvin can't buy it at $55 because he missed the boat at 50 So be real careful on the anchoring bias because it's a real thing. Uh, we do see that all the time and so forth. I don't know. Um, this is. Um, I don't know if this is really anchoring bias or um, procrastination. Drag your feet, which I'm. I'm. I'm subject to that one probably more than anchoring bias. But you know, I feel really bad. Bitcoin was X, and then it went to 400 times X, and I missed out on all of that. And now it's uh, half of X. Yes. Right. <laughs> so now I don't feel as bad. Yeah. But the whole time I was running up, I felt real bad. Yeah. Yep. Exactly right. Exactly right. All right. The next one I love, um, the breaking news problem. Uh, they refer to this as recency bias. So we tend to overemphasize information we just receive. Uh, we watch the stock market channels to see what it means. We watch our news channels and so forth. We watch our watch. We watch our watch. Um, information is just constantly being thrown in our face if we, um, if we want it to be. Okay. So if the market is falling, which of course right now it's not a good year, it feels like it's going to fall forever. You know, that fear is starting to set in, that fear of loss, that fear of, you know, this is going to be the doomsday scenario, we're going to go to zero, the market's done, and so forth. But when it's rising, it feels like it's going to go up forever. You know, the last four years in the stock market are a prime example of that, maybe even the last eight years, because the average returns over those periods of time have been astronomical, completely out of the norm, okay? So, you know, I guess the advice what we would give you on this one is stop constantly checking on the market. You know, uh, you pay people like us to do that for you. Stay focused on your goals, okay? If you have portfolios out there that have different asset classes and so forth, odds are your overall picture is looking pretty good. The more aggressive stuff may not be looking so good right now, but overall things are um, looking pretty okay. So consider a balanced portfolio and make sure you do rebalance that portfolio. You know, we are still rebalancing clients' portfolios on a pretty much a quarterly basis right now. Um, just trying to either bring in different asset classes or um, pulling some risk out of the portfolios, whatever we want to do. But by rebalancing the portfolio, um, doing a balanced portfolio, what this does is it allows you, actually allows you to buy low and sell high and build wealth over time. Um, we were also talking before the podcast about um, some companies right now are starting to look ridiculously good in terms of the price to their earnings. You know, they're starting to look cheap, which we haven't really seen in a long time. Mm -hmm. You know, part of the driving force behind this market correction is the um, the the uh, the pricing, the valuations on these companies are getting a little ridiculous and out of line. Okay, so there is some positivity out there right now. You just got to kind of be on the lookout for it. Let's um, let's have you flesh that that out a little bit on on the balance portfolio idea. Um, talk a little bit about asset allocation, coming up with an allocation that you're comfortable with based on risk assessment. Yep coming up with an allocation of assets related to that risk assessment 
And then how does it work? Tell, tell, tell us the magic of buy, buy, buy low, sell high, by rebalancing. How, how is that rebalancing helping? Okay, so at Great River Investments, what we do is we have different model classes that we put clients into, okay? The very conservative to the very aggressive. It's our responsibility to come up with the allocations on those. So obviously, if you're in a conservative portfolio, you're gonna end up with more fixed income type of investments and you're aggressive. And the opposite holds true for down the, down the line, okay? So when you rebalance a portfolio, no matter what the time frame is, whether it's monthly or quarterly, whatever, your hope is that you're 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 getting into asset classes that have maybe been beaten down a little bit, and the financial professional you're working with, um, your CPA, your CFP, whatever, um, is weeding out those those areas in the market where a we think there's going to be an upswing in, and most importantly though, can we get it in a good price? Okay, we're avoiding the anchoring bias by that. Okay, because we're looking at overall picture versus individual things. So let's take a very basic example of somebody who has a 50% equity allocation and a 50% fixed income allocation. Very mm -hmm. simple. Mm -hmm. And um, so that was as of, um, you know, the beginning of this month, let's okay. say. And now we're at the end of this month or end of this quarter. And we look at our assets again. And now we're uh, 45% at equities and we're 55% at fixed income because mm -hmm. equities have fallen. Their mm -hmm. values have fallen. We haven't mm -hmm. put any more money in or out, but mm -hmm. values have fallen. Mm -hmm. So that rebalancing process mm -hmm. would then so take, take 5% out of the fixed income, out of the fixed income, which actually has done better. You of know, course it has. In your, my portfolio, it's fixed. done better, but mm -hmm. you're going to take it out of there. And mm -hmm. why are we doing that? Because the equity position has dropped. And now's a good time to buy equity. Because we're buying low. Hey, remember old Warren Buffett, when people are greedy, be fearful. When people are fearful, be greedy. But the reality of it is, is everybody wants to try to time the market at the low point. Okay, we're never going to time the market at the mm -hmm. absolute low point. Um, listening to the stock market channel all day long, I keep hearing, are we at a bottom? Are we at a bottom? Nobody knows. Right. Absolutely nobody knows. You'll have, they'll have 20 people on there throughout right. the day. And 20 people are saying something completely different. For the well, and it's, um, it's a function of too many variables that are unknown. So... If the world is at war, if there's a COVID uh, flare-up, if the inflation is running high, if interest rates are going up because they're trying to stabilize inflation, mm -hmm. unemployment is high or low, gas prices are high, mm -hmm. there's just so many variables. Mm -hmm. And and do they affect any given one company the same way as they do company B? So Coca-Cola is probably affected differently than Walmart mm -hmm. by the same set of variables. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, you know, as far as being able to predict the future and the crystal ball, it doesn't exist. That's right. And that's why um, we always talk about the fundamentals of investing. Okay. Um, you can get into the microeconomics of each individual company inside of your holdings if you want to, that'll drive you nuts if you try to do it. Um, but you really got to focus on the broader picture, you know, and in your examples you're giving. Um, <laughs> when, does, when does inflation stabilize, as an example? Um, we're at 8.3 at the last reading, I think that was a week or two ago, 8.3%. Um, um, when does that start to fall back? You know, um, what steps are the administration taking to prevent gas prices from continuing to go up? I mean, I paid 4.20 a gallon this morning for fuel. And literally, I think a couple podcasts ago, I was <laughs> kind of complaining about paying 3.80 a gallon right, for right, fuel. Right. You know? So, you know, the, those are the macro things that we try to look at in terms of figuring out where we're going to be. You know, are there, are there parts of the world that might be a good place to invest in? 
Um, well, interest rates start to fall, so we should be moving more into fixed income, things like that. But the purpose of a rebalance is really to bring that 50-50 back into line. It's so. a little bit of a forced, um, a forced um, buy low, sell high. Mm-hmm. And, and if you if you stay true to that allocation that you've set, mm-hmm. it, it kind of forces that. Yep. And you really have to stay true. Um, boy, some discussions with clients over time have been quite um, defensive in terms of me trying to explain that whole idea behind this because the that fear that motivating fear factor is overwhelming yep. all common sense mm-hmm. but we we just have to make sure that we're doing the right thing the rebalancing you know the market will recover at some point in the future we're not making any predictions when the bottom is you know those are the types of things that we're looking at we got to stay true to our um to our goals to our plan and to our investment choices so all right um Pitfall number five, um, their safety in numbers. Um, they refer to this as the herding bias. Um, humans tend to follow the crowd. They do what people around them are doing. Bitcoin comes to mind. Bitcoin comes to mind. All cryptocurrencies. Um, it was just a few months ago. Boy, I mean, I was getting inundated with questions. I'd be at the gym. Hey, what do you think about crypto? I'd be at the lunch. Hey, do you do anything with crypto? Um, you know, it was just everybody was hearing about crypto. It's the greatest thing. It's the newest thing and so forth. Um, those people today aren't asking me about crypto anymore. Mm-hmm. And they're basically complaining to me about crypto now. Mm-hmm. Well, I bought some. Well, how'd that work out for you? Mm-hmm. It didn't. Mm-hmm. It didn't work out. So if multiple people start talking about an investment, um, your instincts automatically say, look, I should be buying into this. I don't want to miss out. Um, so what we say is, what people are talking about may be a fantastic investment, okay? But you got to do your own research, okay? Um, if you hear about investment, don't simply invest in it because you hear others are doing it unless you feel it's the right thing for you. It literally has to fit into your financial picture to make sense, okay? Maybe through these podcasts, a person may pick up that Todd's fairly conservative. And, no, uh, no. Todd's fairly conservative. No. And that, that's, a, that's a CPA accountant kind of thing. And um, is also very detailed. I'm very detailed. <laughs> Organized. I'm also, I kind of have the rule, I mean, we've got down here in the notes, do your own research, but I kind of also have the feel or I don't want to invest in anything I don't understand. Mm-hmm. I do not understand cryptocurrency and I do not understand non-fungible tokens. Um, I don't really understand blockchain, which is a tie to um, both accounting and cryptocurrency. Um, been in this financial world a long time don't understand any of those three so i'm not telling you what to do or not do i just i don't understand it so i don't want to be putting my money into something i don't understand um i'm i kind of feel that way about commodities this is this is for me personally but commodities i i don't really understand hedging well enough to be good at that so Mm -hmm. i don't really want to be Mm-hmm. putting an allocation of my assets to it because mm-hmm. I don't understand it. Yep. And that really brings a point to anybody who's listening who might be thinking of more of those um, aggressive type of uh, investments such as commodities or cryptocurrencies and so forth. You know, um, we, we do not focus on those things at Great River Investments. Okay. We might buy a commodities fund if we think, you know, prices of whatever commodity is going to go up and so forth. If you really want to get into more of the detailed things, you've got to seek out professional help. Bottom line, you know, there are some fantastic people in this in this town and in this uh, state that do those kind of things, and they can provide you with 
really good advice on what those things are. But Todd's exactly right. If I don't understand it, I'm not putting my money towards it. Right. And don't just do it because somebody else said, you know, this is the greatest things in sliced bread. You know, it's just like, really? I mean, do you do you have any idea what it involves? Well, no, not really. But yeah. man, it's well, just going it's just going gangbusters. My favorite is, oh man, these guys at work, you know, they they bought yeah. put a thousand dollars into yeah. crypto and now it's worth six thousand yeah. dollars. You know? Yeah. And I just gotta be in that. I'm like, yeah. mm-hmm. If your brother in law is telling you about it at Thanksgiving dinner, I wouldn't just Go for it. It's it's the gambling scenario. Yeah. You know, if you ever talk to people who gamble, they only tell you about the win. Yes. yes. <laughs> I hit a jackpot for twelve hundred bucks today. The only time you want to track those losses is when it comes time to do your taxes. <laughs> you can yeah. deduct those gambling losses to the extent of your gambling winnings, says the IRS. <laughs> exactly right. Okay, uh, pitfall number six, uh, the devil you know. Uh, They refer to this as ambiguity aversion. Uh, People tend to be more comfortable with things that are predictable and shy away from uncertainty. So sticking with investments, for example, that pay a fixed rate of return uh, versus a stock with unpredictable returns, I mean, that can actually be detrimental to a client's portfolio. You know, it might be great to go down to the local bank or credit union and buy a CD. You know, I'm going to get 1.5% for four years, okay? The reality of it is, is right now, as an example, with inflation at 8%, you're losing about 6.5% of purchasing power every time that interest is paid. Okay. In general, the stock market is a better place to outpace inflation and meet your goals. So don't always stick to your comfort zone. You know, Invest based on your goals and your risk tolerance. That's kind of the underlying theme of this whole podcast today. Have your plan, work your plan. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, establish financial plan and stick with it. Build a good mix of investments that meet your goals. That's the bottom line. You've got to be able to do this. So, all right, guys, do you have anything else that we want to contribute to today? Yeah, anything Joel. Great information. Come on, Joe. What are you going to tell us? Well, what you got, Joe? I did have a pitfall number seven, but I think that's for another, another podcast. We're going to ignore pitfall number seven because that was not part of the article. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Okay. So, uh, to close the show today, you know, markets always fluctuate up and down. Uh, there are so many sources of information and combining that with high frequency trading, you know, some days are just worse than others. Uh, we want to work with you and make sure that you are working with a certified financial planner or a CPA who can guide you through these ups and downs of the market. Keep your eyes on long-term goals and have honest conversations with your advisors. Um, take the risk assessment test like Todd mentioned. You know, it's See very where you're important. At. See what where you're at. allocation of assets you want. Exactly. You know, I think based on uh, the number of topics we covered today and our pitfalls for investors, I think it's probably appropriate that I go ahead and add some extra disclosures um, to the end of the show here. So um, risk tolerance is an investor's general ability to withstand risk inherent investing. The risk tolerance questionnaire is designed to determine your risk tolerance and is judged based on three factors, time horizon, long-term goals, and expectations, and short-term risk attitudes. The advisor uses their own experience and subjective evaluation of your answers to help determine your risk tolerance. There is no guarantee that the risk assessment questionnaire will accurately assess your risk tolerance. Um, In addition, although the advisor may have directly or indirectly used the results of this questionnaire to determine a suggested asset allocation, there is no guarantee that the asset mix appropriately reflects your ability to withstand investment risk. Rebalancing reallocating can entail transaction costs and tax consequences that should be considered when determining a rebalancing reallocation strategy. Asset allocation does not guarantee a profit or protect against a loss in a declining market. It is a method used to help manage risk. Investments in commodities may have greater volatility than investments in traditional securities, particularly if the instruments involve leverage. The value of commodity-linked derivative investments instruct, instruments sorry, may be affected by changes in overall market movements, commodity index volatility, 
Changes in interest rates are factors affecting a particular industry or commodity, such as trout, floods, weather, livestock disease, embargoes, tariffs, and international economic, political, and regulatory developments. Use of leveraged commodity-linked derivatives creates an opportunity for increased return, but at the same time creates the possibility of greater loss. Cryptocurrency is a digital representation of value that functions as a medium of exchange, a unit of account, or a store of value, but it does not have legal tender status. Cryptocurrencies are sometimes exchanged for U.S. dollars or other currencies around the world, but they are not generally backed or supported by any government or central bank. Their value is completely derived by market forces of supply and demand, and they are more volatile than traditional currencies. Cryptocurrencies are not covered by either FDIC or SAPC insurance. Legislative and regulatory changes or actions at the state, federal, or international level may adversely affect the use, transfer, exchange, and value of cryptocurrency. Purchasing cryptocurrency comes with a number of risks, including volatile market price swings or flash crashes, market manipulation, and cybersecurity risks. In addition, cryptocurrency markets and exchanges are not regulated with the same controls or customer protections available in equity, option, futures, or foreign exchange investing. My heartfelt thanks goes out to all of you for listening today. A special thanks to Joe Jolin from Jolin Media and Todd Slatke for joining me today and providing their feedback and information. Uh, we want to hear from you. Please reach out to me by either giving me a call at 319-576-2264 or visiting my website at www.greatriverinvestments.com and going to the Contact Us section of the site. I or a member of my team may be in touch with you shortly to discuss our next step steps together. Thank you very much and have a good day.